Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. What's good, y'all? It's your boy Prez, aka at underscore Presidente, here with part two of season three, episode four of Draft Strickland. This episode was so monumental, we had to split it into two halves because we couldn't, you know, we couldn't jam pack you all with with all that good stuff into one episode. So uh, we're here back with Nima and Oscar from Switch Theory to continue the conversation about a couple of the fascinating players from this class. In the second half of the episode. We get into the G League Ignite. Um, we talk about Scoot. We talk about Leonard Miller. We talk about City Sissoko. There's random OG Ananobi slander. There's jokes. There's lots of questions about what the Knicks should do in the draft that are just high-level draft philosophy stuff. And uh, it, it's a great close to the conversation with our buddies from Swish Theory. So um, if you haven't checked out part one, go check that out. And when you're done, come right back here to listen to part two. And we'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, real, real quick, while you're talking Knicks trade, sorry, I'm, I'm like on Twitter okay. right now. I just saw someone say to trade three picks and IQ just, for uh, for just, OG. Just no. just no I just want y'all to know if 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 they're the Knicks, not, I'm, I'm a proxy Knicks fan. I'm a proxy Knicks fan. If the Knicks trade. For OG Ananobi, bro, I will be pissed. That guy is not that good, bro. You guys do not do be not need to be trading three unprotected. Nobody firsts is trading. Oh yeah, five, nobody five is trading three unprotected firsts. Nobody is trading Y'all do not need. Y'all y'all do not need OG, bro. I hope the Knicks respect themselves. This trade, you know, line. how much work is being done by Masai Uhiri not specifying what kind of picks are being bandied about. He's literally like... This is this is an incredible con job occurring with OG and Anovi. If they get more than two picks for him, I'm quitting. I, I respect I respect the, the fleecing <laughs> that is that they're trying to happen solely through sheer force of idiot media and blog and Twitter people, but it's not going to work. The Knicks, if anything, have shown that- they like... Hoard their fucking assets like Smaug the dragon ho- hoards his gold. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just very unlikely. Damn Canadian exchange. Yeah, bro. Canadian exchange. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, that I, I agree. This Tax. is. I don't even hate OG. Like I like OG, but it ain't, he ain't, he's he ain't all right, like bro. That. He ain't like that. So he picks is crazy. Sorry to diverge, but that's just. Crazy. It's okay. I spent no less than an hour on Twitter throughout the day just. Basically saying exactly that. So, uh, just just being yeah. upset, bro. Um, <laughs> you you've just gotten your your stamp of 
secondary Knicks fan approval here. Um, okay, so the next guy I want to talk about is Taylor Hendricks at the University of Central Florida, who's like 6'9", but he kind of looks more than 6'9 to me. Maybe it's because he got a nice fro, and he got the headband, which make the fro look even bigger. And he plays big. He plays center like half the time for UCF. He plays power forward. He plays in the middle of the zone. He plays in drop. He switches on guys. They, you don't talk about scheme versatility. They got him doing all types of shit, even though he's a he's a true freshman, which is always kind of a dicey proposition because, um, you know, kids kids are new to the game and, and they're going up against a lot of seniors and stuff like that. And um, so they ask a lot of him and, uh, he on offense he uh, he's a four who does who he both does a lot and does not do a lot. Um, he does a lot in the sense that like he'll be the guy in the middle of the zone because he could pass a little and shoot more than a little, and they'll also put him in the corner to space the floor. And sometimes they'll run him off screens even though he's very tall, and um, you know sometimes they'll let him cut on the baseline for alley-oops and you know, he's not out here like ball handling or anything. So he's just the nexus of like rim protection, both primary and secondary rim protection and then shooting immediately and, and age, right. Cause he's a, he's a freshman. Like those three things made him kind of an early press favorite as just like, this guy is very intriguing. Um, but I'm still trying to figure out what to make of him. So, uh, Oscar, I, I'm trying to, I try to control myself, but he seems like a very cool, for, like a very modern prospect who is destined to be slept on. Am I chipping or is he more just like not overrated or underrated? He's just like rated fine. Like, all right, maybe he's a first rounder. I don't know. Like, where are you at on this guy? Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Hembo. I think that he there's like a definite cap to like how high he can rise due to like the handling um, problems. But yeah, I mean, he's like a great secondary rim protector. Like you said, he runs the five for them. Although I don't think that's like likely to be his oh, no. um, NBA role, at least the majority of the time. But yeah, he, he, he does have that versatility at the college level. Um, I think he's underrated as like a, a switch defender too. I watched, both of i think they, they've played houston twice um and there was one game where he was just like um Sasser and jamal shed um shed sheet i don't know how to say it um they kept switching on to him or uh, he kept switching on to them and he would just like lock them down every time like i think combined they were like over six with like four turnovers or something um it's weird like when he defends at the point of attack he he looks like he's off balance and like flailing all over the place but he like always gets to the spot and like he has good hands um, so yeah, I think he's underrated in that role. Um, and I know the shooting has like kind of fallen off over the past couple of weeks. It fell um, off a little and then it started coming back. <laughs> I think he's okay, back up to, good. he was down to like 36. Now he's back up to like 39. He's, yeah, he's at 38, no, 38 right yeah. now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I, I, the handle is like, maybe the worst I can remember for like a perimeter oriented prospect, obviously he's like 6'10", so he stands out, 6'9", 6'10", he stands out among that group. But like, we, we talk a lot about how confidence from three is like an indicator for shooting. What, when, um, when Hendo gets like a rebound, he doesn't even like take a dribble most of the time. He like, just like looks for a guard to pass to, like 
on some like Bismack Biombo type shit. So um yeah, it's it's rough. And then like even like doing like connective passing stuff, he'll like like crouch and like his dribble will be like all shaky, just like <laughs> dribbling into a DH and like handling the ball off. So like yeah, it I don't think there's any like outcome I don't want to say any, but I don't think it's it's fair to project like anything more than like stand in the corner and attack in a straight line, which he's not bad at. Like he he does have some some shake, um, and like he's explosive as a finisher. So like I think he can be fine in that role, just like attacking off the catch from the corner and then cutting. Um, but yeah, I mean I think he's pretty easily like a top twenty prospect, um, and I think that um, you know he'll easily be higher than that in a redraft it's it's just about um how i guess like clear the ceiling is for him nima where, where you at on him uh he's at the, i i agree with everything oscar said and i i do wonder like without him tightening up the handle like okay he can shoot he could drive in straight lines he's a big guy who could jump so he could dunk but even without tightening up the handle, I'm like, can an NBA team like run him off movement? Can they get weird and funky with it? Not that like, you know, there's a fine line between yeah. actual innovation and just Nick Nurse offensive stupidity. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the eye of the beholder and all that. But but where are you at on on him and particularly on on his offense? Yeah, well. Uh... Yeah, to kind of echo Oscar, like he's a just real quickly on his defense. Like he's an awesome defender. I think, like like y'all have said, he, he plays a lot of the small ball five, kind of like the bottom of the post, uh, bottom of the zone. Um, I do think he's more kind of in like the roamer role, where he's gonna kind of just be touching all over the floor and uh, switching out on the guards a lot. And he does a great job of it offensively. Um, I, I I really like Hendo. I think he's a fantastic shooter. Uh, 38% at 6'10 is ridiculous, or 6'9 is ridiculous, um, especially, you know, considering he had a pretty bad stretch. I think it was like six straight mm-hmm. games. Uh, he went 6 to 29 in that stretch uh, from three. And outside of that, you know, other than that, he's been incredible from deep. Um, I think, like Oscar said, a lot of his limitations come with his handle. He is pretty bad with the ball on the floor. Um it's going to be a lot of spot up shooting, especially right off the bat. A lot of straight line drives. Uh, he's not that great of a post up guy. What he has been doing a lot um, at UCF that I've liked a lot is kind of playing whenever facing zones. He'll, he'll be the guy who goes and like breaks the middle mm-hmm. um, and plays sort of as like a connective passer. He's his decision making in that role has improved a ton throughout the season because before he would hold the ball there and uh the you know the defense would be able to either you know get the ball out of his hands by stealing it or cover up on open guys or come out on him if he was going to take a shot now you know if, if he's in that area he gets the ball he has made the decision you know almost it's almost become premeditated which i also am not a huge fan of but it's better than you know taking forever uh, especially when facing zones where he kind of knows if he's going to shoot it or pass it now. Um, and he's gotten better at just finding open guys. I think UCF also has a lot of guys who are awesome off movement. Um, uh, Ithiel Horton has had some like huge games recently. I think he's going to be a great G league guard. Um, but Hendo himself, like 
it, he is it, his offensive limitations are kind of what keep him out of the lotto for me because similar to Jarris, I think he's right there in terms of the convo of like best non Wemby defender. Um, he covers so many positions and he's just like such an imposing shot blocker with like we, we talked about Jarris's uh, you know, kind of athletic vulnerabilities like Hendricks doesn't have very many. He's an incredible vertical athlete. He gets off the ground really fast. Um, and his, his timing is awesome. You know, he's, he's a really good uh, shot blocker and he does a great job inside of, in like passing lanes and uh, you know, creating loose balls and stuff like that. So um, I think he's going to be a really good defender as well. Similar to Jairus. I think that's going to be, they're going to be in similar roles in the sense of, you know, kind of stand on the perimeter, perimeter, go set screens, go pop out. Um, in terms of shooting off movement stuff, he's had a couple, you know, plays flashes here and there of him shooting off the dribble or coming off screens, off curls and stuff like that. And, um, I think that part of the game could be there eventually, but it's not there really. I also watched a couple of his, uh, AAU games. He was on a good team, uh, E1T1 with, uh, with Bryce Sensabaugh and Dylan Mitchell, and Bruce Thornton, who's also at Ohio State. Oh my State, God, I have to watch ball. this team. This uh, sounds like my favorite team ever. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good team. And, uh, you know, Sensabaugh came off the bench with that team scoring a lot, but Hendricks is really kind of like the the offensive guy on that team, aside from Sensabaugh. I mean, like Dylan Mitchell was just cutting, kind of playing in a in a somewhat similar role, uh, a, li- a, little, a little bit more ball handling for him there than he is at UT, but – uh, a lot of cutting and spot up shooting, and uh, it was really just a lot of like pick and pop, pick and roll between Bruce Thornton and uh, and Taylor Hendricks whenever Sensabaugh was off the court. So um, I think I think that like he can be used a little bit as a small ball five. Probably not going to be the case the first few years of him in the league. It's going to be a lot of spot up shooting, but um, yeah, I mean, like like Oscar said, the, the limitations really just rely on, or really just like are all in his poor ball handling, you know, he, he should not put the ball on the floor more than just like a straight line drive. Uh, I don't trust him to go to his left whatsoever. Um, and it's going to be a lot of like catch and shoot shooting, but I like him a lot. I think he's fringe lotto. I think he, uh, he doesn't bring enough offensively like Jairus does to be like a for sure lotto guy, but his defense is awesome. And I think that's, what's going to, you know, really get him minutes and get him drafted. In, in the first round. I think at this point, if he's not first round, I think people are just kind of overlooking him because he's in a good conference, averaging 15 points per game on a pretty good as team. A <laughs> uh, that's just lost a lot of close games as a freshman. Uh, and also like anchoring that entire team. Or not, I wouldn't say anchoring, but uh, because he's like, he's not it, that big of like an imposing guy in the, in the paint. Like teams are still getting into the paint with him there and uh, challenging him at the rim. But he's like very clearly their best defender, and like you said, they have so many schemes that it just it really opens up a lot for them uh, schematically, just being able to do a lot of different things defensively. So I think having a guy like that in the NBA, you know, especially if if he is able to improve a little bit offensively to the point where he's passable, um, having a guy like that that you can throw into kind of any defensive scheme and he's going to be impactful, like that's a that's an NBA guy for a long time. So. Um, I like Hendricks a lot. I think he's one of those guys in this class that I think is going to be for sure, you know, like a, 
a long-term role player. Um, and, you know, anything above that just comes with whatever growth comes in the NBA. But I, I think his skill, his skill defensively as well as his shooting should just – should see him be on the floor for a couple contracts at least. Yeah, I mean, if there's any lesson I learned from the McDaniels brothers, it's just that, like, versatile defense, size, and shooting goes a long way, even if uh, you're not viewed as, like – some possible star prospect. There's a lot of people who would happily line up to play to pay Jaden a huge amount of money, um, just below star money. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, he's one. Of, I, we don't have to spend that much more time on him, but he's one of those guys who like. If the Knicks did want to move Obi, I would love for Hendricks to just do what Obi is doing because, like, that's the stuff he's good at. And while that's misuse for Obi. That's proper use for Hendricks. Like, oh, stand in the corner, cut, jump high, yeah, ra- run a transition. Like, I'd way rather have Hendricks standing in the corner than Obi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, o- Obi's um, he makes he's a great fit in in New York, in my opinion. I think I think that would be a great pickup for y'all, especially if you you do move on from Obi uh, this offseason. Yeah, so. we'll we'll see if 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 Obi's here, then between him and Randall, they're probably just gonna pass on Hendricks, but. Which I understand. Like, I, I don't. This is a whole nother pod, but like, I think y'all have to kind of go wing, right? Like, y'all have so many guards we right do, now. But do we though? Like, it's really like in terms of long term. I guess yeah. Right? I guess y'all don't have a lot of guards at exactly. So like we like IQ Grimes and Brunson. That's really it. <laughs> like RJ's a wing, a little yeah, smaller of a wing. Um, Deuce is my son. This is this is Miles McBride hate. This is Miles McBride hate happening no, in New York. Deuce, we are fans of Deuce here at Draft Strickland. Nobody, uh, nobody had Deuce as high as me. I was probably too irrationally high, and I still think he's going to shoot. This has just been one long, small sample size disaster. Uh, I'll be, I'll be proven <laughs> right in the second half. Don't worry. Have faith. Hold strong, Deuce faithful. Okay. Uh, the last people I want to talk about are uh, the the G League Ignite, who I haven't had. You know, last year I, I probably watched them more than any NCAA team, and this year I haven't watched like any Ignite. So I'm gonna definitely be playing a shit ton of catch up. Um, and for purposes of this discussion, let's skip over Scoot because Scoot is just like he deserves a he deserves like his own extended podcast, and he's just not gonna end up on the Knicks because he's gonna be picked way ahead of that. So. Uh, I, I want to talk mostly about um, Leonard Miller and um, how do you pronounce his name? Sissoko? Is it City Sissoko? Sissoko? Yeah. So those are the two other guys um, who kind of were on my radar as potential first rounders to check out this year from the Ignite. Um, kids with really good measurables, both of them. Um both of them have really good wingspan. Um, cities, what like six, seven, six, six eight, eight, right? And he's listed as six eight now. And yeah, Leonard so. Miller's like six eleven, even though it's like a fraudulent six eleven because he got a long ass neck and that doesn't do anything for basketball. But uh, but he has long <laughs> arms. He's skinny, yeah, he's and he's skinny. skinny. But he's also like fifteen years old, so like that's okay. We could just get him some cheeseburgers in the next couple yeah. of years. Um, but anyway, these guys. I wanted to talk about them um, because I first saw City in the 
the Nike USA versus World game that I'm forgetting what it's actually called. And he was doing all these yeah, summit. and he was doing all these awesome passes. And I was like, well, who the fuck is this French dime off king over here who's also six seven, right? Because like you said, ideally the Knicks get a wing. And I'm like, damn, this this guy seems pretty talented. Maybe he's a first rounder. And then Leonard Miller obviously had tons of hype last year. Um, had a kind of interesting situation. We didn't know if he was going to play college or Ignite or go overseas or whatever. And um, he was in the combine, which, you know, is worth as much as you want it to be worth um, with many grains of salt. And he looked absolutely lost at the combine, which... Although I was kind of sad, it then I then kind of became unsad because I was like, yeah, of course he looks fucking lost. These guys have been playing like system basketball for years, and he was just kind of playing in this like, you know, uh, Oscar talked. Yeah, Oscar talked about Jarris talking about playing in like the gauntlet top high school level competition, and Leonard Miller was not really playing in that. He was playing in like the Shit's Creek Canadian type leagues. And uh, <laughs> dominating, and you yeah. know the flashes were awesome and all that, but I'm like, oh, he probably needs to learn how to play basketball before he can take advantage of his intuition and his physical gifts and stuff like that. So, Nima, I know you're like the G League guru, but before we get to what you think of that uh, of of those two guys, um, Oscar, did you, did you ever get around to Leonard Miller in the last cycle? Because he had a lot of like. He was just such a fascinating player that when he declared possible eligibility, everybody was like, who is this mystery man entering the the battleground and all that, right? Like, did, did you ever poke around and see yeah. what's up last year? Yeah, I watched a couple. I watched a couple of his um, high school games and then also at, at Hoop Summit. I don't know. I mean, I was obviously intrigued by this, like, huge handle. Right. Like, <laughs> maybe shoot and, like, can... <laughs> Right, like crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, the same as like Holmes, I kind of waited it until like to see if he would declare or not to like have a def- definitive um, opinion on him. But I, yeah, I mean, I was definitely like intrigued and I do think I would have ended up like definitely first round on him last year. Um, to be honest, I haven't watched a ton of G League Ignite since the college basketball season started. And I know that um, Miller has like, kind of taken a leap because he started the season like a little rough, especially in those games versus um versus um Wemby and um the French fr- yeah the French mm. team. So uh, I, I can't really comment on like um Miller this year, but yeah, I mean last year um he was definitely a guy I liked. See last year I felt like a hater because you know I he had the skills but I, I, the idea of it, it just seemed like people were fixated on this idea of him, which is not unfair because he was 17 and tall and had very good movement skills, which you could nitpick all you want. But if that's your foundation as a 17 year old, you're probably going to get people's attention. Right. So um, it, it definitely may have been a case of me nitpicking a little bit and it wasn't even like like he has a very interesting looking shot for people who have not listening who have not seen it and it's still interesting it's probably a little better now but it's he's he's gonna be one of those dudes who you know teams will dare to shoot and maybe he'll fuck around and shoot despite that that's how i describe it right now but um i i don't know like it it didn't add up for me and it seemed like a lot of evaluators, professional and amateur, were like 
Like I'd hear people talk about, oh, what about the competition for other guys? And then for Leonard Miller, they would not talk about the competition. And then, you know, they'd talk about, you need to shoot now, right? And now for Leonard Miller, it's like, oh, wait, but not him, right? Because he's such a different prospect. So I'm like, damn, like everybody's riding this wave and it feels a little a little crazy now but you know like time has passed since then and and uh, like i mentioned before that the combine really illuminated that like he is very early in the learning curve and that made my eval a little bit softer because like oh of course he's he's gonna be finding his way in a lot of respects he just hasn't had the same basketball education that a lot of these players have had um so you know even though he's not and but now he's it's the the switch has flipped. He's gotten to spend some time with Team Canada, which has a great program, and obviously the Ignite. Uh, I, every time the Ignite comes up on this podcast, I rave about just like I I've, I love what they do every year with these kids. Um, I love from a development on court, off court perspective. I think it's a great environment for prospects to not only learn how to play but get paid a lot of money. So uh, good for Leonard for deciding on that instead of fucking going to Duke and being misused by John Shire for fucking five months or some shit. So, uh, so, so <laughs> I, I, what I'm most interested from you, Nima, as somebody who has watched them this year is like, what have you seen change from last year to this year? Yeah, I think the, like you said, the narrative around Leonard was weird last year, especially with like similar guys like shade and sharp, mm-hmm. who like also only played in high school. Um, or like EYBL or whatever. And, uh, you know, the, the sample size of him against like top talent wasn't that great. Um, and so it was like, well, you know, what's the competition level like? And it seemed like anybody who was like high on Shaden was low on Leonard. And anybody who was high on Leonard was low on Shaden. Um, I like last year having worked with Ignite, I didn't have a lot of time to really dive into like a dude who was playing at Fort Erie. So when I heard about <laughs> Leonard, it was just kind of like, okay, cool. Uh, and I knew Ignite were kind of looking at him. Um, and so at that point, I started had I, I sort of like dove into him a little bit, but not much as a prospect for last year's class, but more as just like someone who could play for Ignite, you mm-hmm. know, this season. Um, and I'm glad that happened. I'm glad that worked out. You know, like you said, in the uh, in the combine game, he was like a lost puppy. You know, like he had he had no idea what was going on out there. Um, I think a couple things that benefit Leonard. um, One, he was six four, like two and a half years ago. (laughs) He's six eleven now. That's another learning curve. Um, So this is a guy move in a body there. You have an extra half foot. You you go seven (laughs) inches. Yeah, bro. You, you go seven inches in two years. You're going to a whole new level of uh, of play style. So, um, like, that was his first time playing against other dudes his size who have had like real training. You know, for in like in like a competitive environment at least. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's gonna be bad. You know, and of course it was bad. I don't think he was ready for last year's class whatsoever. But I'm glad he got that experience and got to go and get feedback from teams because he knew what he totally. had to go work on. Now this year. Uh, right now, in this moment, he has a back injury. He's been out for like the last week. I don't know when he's going to return. Hopefully soon. Um, but you know, this year, Ignite have had, in my opinion, one of the most fun teams to watch. I'm actually like anybody who hasn't watched them, Oscar included. I'm openly booing you <laughs> um, because this is a 
this is a fun team, man. Like not just Scoot, even when Scoot's out, you got Eric Mika, who's an awesomely talented big man. John Jenkins, who's probably the best shooter Westchester in the Westchester Knicks legend, dude. John Jenkins. Man, like, like, and, and the thing is, is like, unlike a lot of guys and, and I can, I'm going on a couple of tangents about the G league right now, just cause I have to get it out. But I think one of the worst narratives about the G league Ignite guys is that the, the G league inflates stats. Uh, I think that is like, say pretty that? false. People like, yeah, I, like, uh, that, like, that, like, Oh, because, because they're in the G league, you know, they're going to score more oh, points. They're going to have more rebounds. They're going to have this and that. The G league is a, is a guard driven league. That, that might be true for guards for big men. That is not the case whatsoever for forwards. That's not the case whatsoever. And then on top of that, like, for the G League Ignite guys, you look at guys at Alabama, Arkansas, Duke, whatever. If they're going into the league, they're the best player on that roster. You know, aside from Scoot, on this team, you have John Jenkins, who's probably a borderline NBA player. You have Cam Young, who's probably a borderline NBA player. Uh, other guys like Aubrey Dawkins, who's like at one point was one of the best shooters in the NCAA whenever he was playing in college. Eric Miko was a dominant big man in his conference. Like these guys were also the best player on their college teams. Uh, so, you know, Leonard getting 15 points per game, 16 points per game in the G league playing as like the third option is very impressive. Like, I don't understand how people don't find that impressive. A 19 year old scoring a lot of his, like a, a lot of his twos are self-created. Obviously a lot of his three point attempts are, are assisted, uh, and he's not shooting great. I don't, he's not a great shooter. His form is kind of messed up. But, like, what he brings offensively, his ball skills are awesome for a guy who's 6'11". Um, he is, like, pretty versatile just in, in the terms of how you can play him. You can't. He's not necessarily a big man, but he can pick and roll. He's pretty athletic. He can pop out. Uh, and he's a pretty good passer. Like, he only averages, I think it's like one and a half assists a game. I think that's more system than it is anything else because, like, they're not running, you know, DHOs for him and uh, John Jenkins and stuff. They're not running plays for, like, Scoot cutting and Leonard Leonard passing to him. Those are more so stuff that's happening for, like, Eric Mika. A lot of it is going to be, like, Leonard, get the ball, you know, maybe ISO a little bit, get yourself into the paint, and then, you know, maybe you get trapped or, you know, the, the defense collapses and you can kick out to a shooter. A lot of it is, you know, you're going to be creating off your own. It's not plays really written up for Leonard. Um, but I think, like, his size and then his ability on both ends. Like, I think his defense gets a little under or pretty underrated. There's some people who say he's not a great defender or not a good defender. He, in my opinion, just needs to put on a lot of weight and needs to, like, build, get into his body. And, you know, he grew to 6'11 two years ago. It's going to take him a while to put on the weight that will like that that will be his playing weight in the nba um i th i think defensively he's got really good instincts his timing is really good in rotations um and he's a pretty good help defender um he switches out onto the perimeter pretty well obviously g league guards are extremely quick and extremely athletic so i don't expect him to stay in front of you know jalen lequeux or mason jones or mac mcclung but you know, he's staying in front of the, the AJ Lawson's and the, um, the Elijah Canes of the world. And that's, that's fine. Like that's, that's what you need to be doing, you know, at the G league, because those guys are, were the best players in their college teams a couple of years ago. And 
you're watching NCAA players struggling to guard six six white dudes and putting them in the first round. First round. So it's I I think the the G League the G League Ignite uh, scouting like not what is it uh, like setting is still being figured out by a lot. I think a lot of people also just still neglect it. Uh, I mentioned that when KOC didn't have either of them top 30 and he chirped back at me and was like, oh, don't watch them or don't have them top 30, but yet Jaime Jaquez ahead of Leonard Miller. So I think there's like, there's some just kind of inexcusable stuff, in my opinion, of how people uh, watch G League Ignite or don't watch G League Ignite. Um, this was the case last season too. Uh, and it took until like May for people to go around and watch film. So I think it's going to be a similar situation. The stuff with Leonard being in the twenties with all the things he brings offensively and all the things he brings defensively, like he's not a Jarris or Taylor Hendricks where he's, you know, just standing in the corner, uh, and, you know, maybe straight line driving or, um, just like little post fades or whatever it may be. Like this is a dude like taking guys off the dribble, creating space for himself at six eleven, and like. Yeah, he's shooting from the chest because he hasn't learned how to shoot at 6'11 yet. You know, like he was playing, like you said, in a system that wasn't developing. And now G League Knight are trying to develop him as much as they can in one season. Um, was Ignite probably the best case for him? I think given all things, like... I think it was, it was probably, probably it was, not. It, for me, it was the, the best case just because, like, we could talk about up, upside and how to utilize his, like, his being coordinated and handling and all of that. But what he like, he needed right. that foundation of like, how do I, how do I not get, he, needs to right. to play like, he was literally just like lost out there. And it wasn't like in the combine. He was- <laughs> and considering his other options, I think his other options, whenever mm-hmm. he like listed his top five, it was like Arizona state, TCU, Kansas, and yeah, somewhere bro, else. I think <laughs> like th- those aren't exactly places that he's going to learn how to play. Like, a high level of basketball. So may- maybe Julie Knight was the right decision. 19 years old, scoring 16 and eight, um, playing really good defense and having to do a lot without Scoot, who was out twice this season with injuries. Um, it's incredible what, what he's, what he's been doing and he's really improved all throughout the season. Like I said, you know, there's, there's things he needs to improve on. And I think a lot of it just comes with the fact that he's a late bloomer and he's a guy who needs to get used to his body and needs to get used to, to how to play at the size, how to shoot at this size. Um, and I think once that comes around, it's, it's going to work out for him. I think he needs to go like, I'm really high on him. I have him top 10. I think he needs to go top 10 to a team that can, spend time on him and is willing to develop him and willing to invest in him and not just like have him sit on the bench or whatever, throw him out to the wolves and see what happens. Like he needs to go to a team that has, has the pieces in place to, uh, doesn't that seem like a narrow band? And and this is, this is one reason he kind of scares me as a prospect because he seems like the kind of player who, needs to be on a very specific team where he can get minutes and fucking brick a lot of jump shots and do all that stuff. And while he continues to figure out, he needs to be on a team where he can figure stuff out with with a coach who is very good at um, like optimizing a player. The Pacers are are a great one. Um, Rick Carl, I, 
I think with Carlisle, with what he, how he used, I think it's there, bro. Hard, um, and even Jackson in limited minutes, though he's not in the rotation anymore. Um, he he uses those I, well, but like <laughs> that's kind of. I think Indiana is the team for him, man. Not I think, Indiana, especially if you example, have a hard like you you yeah, can get not, you yeah. can get into like this weird situation of like self fulfilling prophecies of sabotage. So it's like that, and this is what's fascinating yeah. about him. It's like if if you have the right situation, you're talking not at just high upside, but also high floor. But if you have a coach, like I would never want, I would never want him on a Tibbs coach team, right? Like he's gonna. He'd be horrible in these yeah. like narrow. Roles. I don't. I don't. I don't want Leonard on the Rockets. <laughs> right. Or right. Or the Rockets. <laughs> so like, he's one of those where I. I don't think draft number will really play a role in like. It's gonna be about exactly. Placement. It's gonna be about who more than what number. So it'll be really interesting. And then it's also weird because like so many teams are competing right now, so minutes are very hard to come by. And then it, it's also more weird mm-hmm. than that because a lot of teams got a lot of the picks. Or, or rather, less teams have a lot of the picks, yeah. right? So, like, I, it's just there's a lot of moving parts, which for a smart team could be an opportunity in terms of Leonard Miller, but for a stupid team could be like, yeah. oh, he's a tall ball handler. We'll bring him in and he'll be great. And then they don't do the things that you need to do, you know? Think, <laughs> yeah, one last thing on Miller, uh, and this is just kind of general draft philosophy for me. Bet on late bloomers. Bet on ambidextrous guys. <laughs> Leonard writes. Leonard does everything right-handed, but shoot and dribble. Uh, he he's also like really good at finishing with both hands and dribbling with both hands. But he's he's primarily a left-handed guy. Shoots left-handed. Uh, does everything in his regular life right-handed. Uh, and like I said, light, late bloomer. Those two skills, you'd be surprised. Or those two like attributes, you'd be surprised how often. Those guys sounds like a out. great reason to be uh, high on RJ so. Barrett, who's uh only coming into the skill portions of his. I said, I said, I said, he he's a righty in real life, <laughs> yeah. But he once he learns how to dribble uh with both hands, we'll we'll talk about him. He being probably better finishes right than left at this point. I get way more stress when he's driving left than throwing up like junk ball. But, <laughs> although he's cut the lot, I should give him That's credit because he's cut a lot of the junk ball out of his game. Um, Oscar. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun, really fun when he's when he's driving right in Sacramento next year. Oh man! <laughs> for I, who? I, like, I, I don't know Fox? what kind of timeline I, this is. I, I I don't care for who. I don't care what it was gonna be. I, I'm just not, I'm not a you just want them fan. to build like the the lefty infinity gauntlet out there in Sacramento. But we're already <laughs> doing it in New York, yeah, man. Put, put every lefty in sack. That's put the Knicks in sack. <laughs> we, we got <laughs> half of them. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much Knicks fans would enjoy that. It's okay. But. I have a. We're very fond fans of the also perpetually hated on playoff caliber Sacramento Kings here at Draft Strickland. Um, Oscar, I know you mentioned uh, earlier that you haven't really watched a ton of a ton of G League or, or updates on Miller, but um, this we're closing in on uh, om- not two hours, but almost two hours. Um, any other thoughts on? Leonard or this cycle generally or what what you think. Matter of fact, this is what we should close with. Fuck all that. So I'll ask the same question <laughs> for each of you to take us home. Um and it'll be fun because Oscar's like paying very close attention to the Knicks and Nima's just like, whatever, they should trade RJ to Sacramento. So uh <laughs> what do you, 
if you're if you're <laughs> Walt Perrin, like, what are you looking at? What are uh, like one or two of the main things you're looking at in this year's class? Right, we have two picks. We might trade one. We might even fuck around and have three picks if the Wizards keep winning. So, like, I'm going to assume that we'll come out of this draft with somebody, unlike last year. I don't know if it'll be one player or more than one. Or There's a lot of permutations here, but, like, what are you looking at? Because, you know, everybody's like, we need wings. But, and fortunately, there are a lot of wings here. But then there's guys like Hendricks and Jairus and other guys who are, like, more fours. So what's your advice for Walt Perrin? <laughs> yeah, um, I think at least one of the picks has to be spent on like a mm. bigger wing. I think that's the logical last piece for this core. Um, whether it's like Jet, Jairus, if he counts as like a bigger wing, um, or I- I'm forgetting someone. Um, Jordan Walsh, I know he's like kind of faded from like the top 20 conversation. Big fan. Big fan. fan. Yes, me as well. Um, I think I'm still forgetting. There's, a, there's another. I mean, the Thompsons, but like. I don't know. I don't think we're going to be that bad. Brady, yeah, Brady, one big there's, there's Chris Murray, Brady, there's Ant Black, there's, I mean, Max is, you Aunt know. Black. Have, to me, he's more of a guard, but, like, yeah, yeah size-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he sells that. Yeah, um, come away with, with a big wing. And then, yeah, the other pick, I feel like you just, like, can take whoever you think is the best prospect. Like, I don't think there's any, um, like, burning needs mm-hmm. at that point. All right. Nima. After you trade RJ Barrett to the Kings, what's your advice for the Knicks for this draft? <laughs> Man, I li- I lived in New York last year. I went to more like as many. I I, th- I think I went to more Knicks games last year than I've been to like any Rockets games in a single season. I'm also balding slowly, and I want you guys to know that those two things are related because watching RJ and Randall really made me lose a shit ton of hair. Um, I, I was not crazy about the Knicks last season. Obviously, I think they've they've kind of gotten a little bit better this year. I haven't watched them nearly as much as uh, I did last year or would and like pay- to. See, what um, happens, you left New York, and we got good. So the lesson is stay out of New York. Uh, and the, and the, yeah, and the year before, y'all were good too. The one year I went was the, si- the year y'all decided to not know how to play Yeah, it's because you were there. Uh, yeah, Julius Randle wanted to put a show <laughs> on for me, and instead he put a – 16 and eight on 40 percent shooting um i think i think like oscar said there's there's a couple routes you can go with if you, if you use both picks one of them needs to be a big wing um i you know uh oscar said jet and my eyes lit up i think jet um on the knicks would be fantastic i also think he probably gets taken yeah, off the board before y'all have a pick um <laughs> I think in, in the range that y'all are looking at, it's probably going to be closer to like Grady Dick, Filipowski, um, maybe Jordan Walsh if he declares. I, I think he probably stays in college another year. Uh, you know, a guy like Chris Murray could really help you guys out too. Um, and then the second pick, like he said, you know, probably just go for best player available or whoever you think fits your system best. I also wouldn't be surprised if they package the two picks up with with a guy like Obi, or maybe they do get tired of RJ and RJ. You could probably trade up higher with RJ, um, or even get some other pieces back. But I wouldn't mind if they traded up in the draft and went into that like top ten, top eleven, twelve range. You could go for a, a secondary guard like Casey Wallace. I think that would be awesome next to Brunson. Uh, I love Grimes. Grimes is my dude. But we know um, they tried to trade up I, for Ivy last year. They weren't able to, but they tried. So it, they, we know they consider that. Yeah. Stuff. So I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were to trade up for a guy like you know one of these off guards like 
or combo guards kind of like Keontae or Kaysen or even Nick Smith. Um, I think all of those guys would be really good fits next to Brunson and um, and whoever else is still there, whatever the Knicks decide to do, honestly. Um, there's a couple different paths they could go, but in my opinion, uh, I would try and consolidate a little bit. I don't think I'm, – I'm not very all-in on the Knicks development uh, group, sim- similar to my own team. Uh, I think consolidation is probably best, and you go mm-hmm. for – Maybe one guy that is uh, is higher up in the in the draft class and the picks you have that that you think can give you a, a, a more immediate impact. Someone you're not gonna need to kind of drag mm-hmm. along and uh, figure out how to develop over time. Someone who's you know he might not be at a ceiling or you know day one, obviously, but a guy who can come in day one and, and give you some good impact. Um, you know y'all y'all got lucky with a guy like Quentin Grimes falling to find where y'all picked him and, and being able to use him kind of, you know, towards the end of his first season uh, really effectively. And especially this year, really effectively. Um, so, so someone who can kind of come in and uh, obviously, like you said, a Tibbs team. So someone who will play good defense um, and is willing to deal with his shit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that that would be mo- most beneficial rather than using both picks and potentially having one guy who's, kind of waiting in the yeah. wing and then you have another guy who's you know getting spot minutes here and there just package the picks up get rid of some of these guys you're not really using in your rotation or don't see long term maybe bring in a couple other role players from another team and and draft someone a little bit higher up who you think will uh will benefit the 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 view of the team a little bit better uh going forward cuz i think Brunson's obviously a piece you keep around for a while uh probably Randall I think you can probably get a good amount out of RJ. And in my opinion, you do that if you can. Um, but like, I, I think you want a good, uh, just, just a good piece. who you, you know, will be part of the core where they're picking, which is like mid teens, probably right. It's going to be about mid teens with both of your picks. I mean, maybe the Knicks are like, like streaking between good and bad in any given week. So uh, we have the, that's true. Yeah. Anything can happen. And then we have Dallas, which is equally yeah, variable. So. <laughs> yeah, I think the Mavs pick probably ends up like low twenties. Uh and I think with this draft class, like I said earlier, from like five to twenty-five, it's pretty jam-packed. You could find a guy who, you know, the Knicks have top ten on their board uh at twenty-two or twenty-three, you know. So um I, I don't think they should trade either of those picks come trade deadline. You wait for kind of the, the lotto balls to fall in place and uh, see who has what where. I think whatever trade happens with those picks, if there is to happen, uh, it happens on draft day. Um, yeah, my, uh, my advice wouldn't really be draft-related. It would be more about the team as a whole uh, if I was actually giving advice. But in terms of those picks, like – uh, I think I think consolidation is probably the best route. All right. Well, you heard it. You heard the uh, the sage advice from our our Swish Theory gurus, uh, Nima and Oscar. Thank you for joining us for this marathon pod. I think we're gonna end up splitting it into two um, to make up for me not giving people a pod uh, last week. You can find Oscar at Oscar underscore Hoops, and uh, you can find Nima at what the fuck is your at Nima at finding Nima 23, uh, both on Twitter. And of course you can find them all at switch theory, which is with the switch theory.com. 
and at Swish Theory on social media. Guys, thanks for joining. This has been a ball. And listeners, if you made it this far, you are probably sadistic, and I salute you. And we'll see you again in two weeks. Thank you, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your evening. Keep sticking with us. We're almost at March Madness. Peace out, y'all. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.